Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome everyone to What's the Word and the show that's above fine on one motor-based people to succeed in their respective careers. My name is Cheval John and a very good night to everyone. I am really honored to have uh, Laura Wilkinson, the the 2000 Olympic diving gold medalist. And if you guys don't uh, haven't uh, don't remember uh, what happened, but you know you're gonna hear her story because she actually came from eighth place to win the Olympic gold at the 2000 Olympic Sydney uh, Games, and it was one of the greatest, biggest upsets in Olympic history. And she also uh, won the 2004 World Cup and the 2005 World Championships, becoming the first woman in history to win all three competitive world titles in platform diving. And she is a motivational speaker and and also uh, runs the Laura Wilkinson Foundation here in the wood in the woodlands. And she's here with me to talk about her career. So Laura Wilkinson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you again for taking time out. Uh, to be on the show now, we're gonna do a little icebreaker because I know that uh, during the Olympic season, many have a uh, like the 2000 Olympics. Uh, many saw the the segment that you did with uh, Ahmad Rashad. Can you give a little <laughs> behind the scenes of that? Because I know. Oh, you got to watch that, huh? Was that? You you got to watch that? Yes, I did. Every, yeah, we did watch that, and we kind of thought that he was a little uh, apprehensive. So can you give us a little behind the scenes of that? Oh, of course. That was um, a lot of fun. He was doing a lot of reporting, um, you know, just kind of different venues. And so one of the things he wanted to do was jump off the 10 meters. So they kind of invited me to help him, you know, go off the lower levels and, and work his way up. And uh, he he was hilarious and a handful all at the same time. He kind of took his time. He, he was kind of scared. He went off the, I can't remember if it was the three or the five meter, one of the lower level ones. And he jumped off, but then said his ear hurt. And he got a little nervous on the seven and a half meter. He looked over and he's like, oh, let's just go up to 10 meter. And so then we went up to the 10 meter and he would not even walk to the end of the platform. I am not kidding. He got down on his belly and crawled to the end and looked down and just decided he was not going to do it. So you can be a big, tough athlete, but diving is a whole new ball game. It's all about your head. It's all about battling fear. Um, it's, a, it's a whole other sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I can agree with that. I mean, I, I would be scared to jump off of a 10 meter uh, platform and, and dive, and you know that's that's one that's really an amazing you know amazing thing for you all that you you've actually done that now. Now what's really interesting you know is that you know you actually your ambitions was to become a gymnast in Olympics, but then then you had a change of heart, you know, and switched to mm-hmm. diving. Can you share with us what what led you to do that? Yeah, I had always dreamed of being, you know, the next Mary Lou Retton, like like most little gymnasts do. Um, they want to be like their heroes that they see on TV, you know, winning the Olympics. And um, I, I was good at it. I liked it. But I got to a point when I was about 13 years old that I just um, realized I was not going to be that good. Uh, you know, I should have been a lot farther along at, at that age. And, um, you know, my heart just wasn't in it anymore. I still loved it. But I just, I didn't want to stay at that same level to go to college in it. Like, I just felt like there was something I had to be better at, something I could do more with. And so I quit gymnastics and I tried everything under the sun, you know, track, tennis, softball. I even did like the dance team my freshman year in high school. So kind of just trying everything and eventually found some ex-gymnast friends who had started diving um, at a pool not too far away. So we went up there and I mean, the first day on the pool deck, I loved it. It was like gymnastics into the water and, and I just, 
I fell right head over heels in love with it right off the bat. And so I just stuck with it. So I didn't start till I was 15, which is a pretty, pretty late start for most athletes, but because of the gymnastics background, it really kind of helped me get um, good fast. That's really cool. Now it, now that kind of shows about, you know, you know, never too late to start something that you're, that you are willing to, you know, to put work into, to fulfill your dreams. Now, mm-hmm. but the, but you kind of had a little negative uh, experience with that because one of you, one of your teachers said that you were too old to do, to dive, yes. and and so did, how did you overcome that uh, that uh, negative feedback? Um, well, I mean, it's it's really hard, especially when you know somebody in authority over you, like a teacher or a coach or, or somebody like that, is telling you that you can't do something or you're not good enough to do something you're either going to believe them and kind of let it crush you and not try or quit or walk away, or you're going to let it be fuel to your fire and you're going to kind of set out to prove them wrong. And I'm, I'm really glad I had um, kind of a rebellious mindset and attitude about it. It was something I really wanted to do. And I thought I, for some reason, I've always been a very confident person thinking I can do things that I probably had no right thinking I could do, but I chose to believe in that dream and not in these people. And, um, kept pursuing it anyway. And I'm sure glad I did because you're not ever too old to start something new, especially if you love it. You know, what's, what's it going to hurt? Even if you don't maybe get your dreams or reach your, you know, end goal, you're going to get so much farther if you're doing what you love than you ever would doing something that you're pretty good at that you totally hate, you know? Yeah. And, and of course, like you had, of course, like, you know, you had one person who believed in you and that was your coach, uh, Kenny Armstrong. And you said something mm-hmm. in a chat uh, after afterwards. I believe it was. I don't remember where it was at, but you said that it only takes one person to believe in you, and and that makes all the difference. And I'm paraphrasing that. So, so how mm-hmm. important was that? You know that that led you to you know chasing your dream. You know, like like I talked about, I had a a coach that told me I was a waste of space and kicked me off one team. I had. Another teacher who told me I was too old to start something new. I, I had people telling me, I, you know, I, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. I could never achieve what I wanted to do. And so after hearing all of that, my the one person, my new coach on this on this diving team, said, you know, if you want to go to the Olympics, why not? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's try it. And the fact that one person, one coach, especially, you know, somebody who you look up to and you listen to and you trust. For that coach to tell me that he thought I could do it if I wanted to, I mean, it, it just kind of freed me up to allow me to actually believe in those dreams and that, yes, I could pursue them, you know, and I could go after them. And, and that, that is all I needed. I just needed that open door for somebody to say, yes, you can just go for it. And I did. And I loved it. And I worked harder than I ever have at anything because I loved it. And I was so excited and passionate about it. Of course, Yes. And then, then, you know, fast forward to you know winning the gold the gold medal the good world games and then then uh, winning two NCAA national championships at the University of Texas and then then afterwards you just decided you know to to uh, give up your scholarship for for one more year to pursue your dreams at the Olympics. Uh, what mm-hmm. how how difficult of the decision was that for you? And do you think like for anyone who might you know facing that roadblock, you know, do you think that it's it's worth uh, pursuing, even if even even if you might think it's com- you know you're comfortable in in a position like let's say like at a full time work or or mm-hmm. or like you know playing sports per se. 
Right. Well, there's kind of a lot involved in it. Um, you know, I had been, yes, I had, I had competed for three years at the University of Texas. I was on a full diving scholarship. Um, I had won the NCAAs twice. Um, I had been top three in, in two of the boards at every single um, NCAAs. Like I had done everything I wanted to do in college. So for me, just doing one more year of college, you know, I wasn't going to achieve anything more, you know, that, that I already had. But I knew going for the Olympics, like, what if this was my only shot? You know, because the Olympics only comes around every four years. And, and back then, divers didn't continue diving until they were in their 30s. Like, it wasn't very common. You know, most divers were done after college. So I thought, if this was my only shot, I really need to, to go for it. And, th- and that was a hard decision, though, because I had a full diving scholarship. My whole life was there. You know, I finally picked a major after switching, like, five times. You know, all my friends were there. Everything good in my life was right there. But to pursue the Olympic dream, I knew I would need to train with no distractions. I was going to have to go home, somehow find a way to pay rent to be close enough to the pool to train full time. You know, I didn't know how I was going to do any of that. And it it was scary because I would leave everything that I loved in my world over here at, at college and to go pursue this thing that I might not. I still had to qualify for the Olympic team just because I left everything to go train didn't guarantee me a spot on the team. I still had to go to the Olympic trials and qualify. So it was a pretty scary decision, a hard decision, um, because back then, well, and, and the Sydney Olympics were not in the summer because it was in Australia and their summers are, are opposite ours. Um, the, the Olympics were actually in September. And so knowing for me, I would have missed a year and a half of school going right back into competition. It was kind of easy for me to say, I think I'm going to be done with, with competing. Um, and leaving the scholarship was a harder thing, but I knew at the same time I could always take financial aid. I can always go back and finish. And that was something my mom really wanted me to do. And she was kind of like, if you do this, that's fine. But you have to go back and finish like that. You have to do that after you're done. And I said, okay, I will do that. And I'm really glad I did because if that was my only shot, you know, I gave it everything I had. And even if I hadn't made the team, I could not look back in five years saying, what if? You know, I, that's, that's the one thing that I just don't think I can handle is that regret, you know, like always looking back saying, well, what if I had just tried or what if I had only taken that leap, you know? Um, so I'm really happy that I took that step and, and that year did not go the way I expected, but I'm still very happy that I made it. Uh, and then we're going to dive into that because, you know, because in that year, you know, like six months before, before the Olympics, actually, you, you actually broke your foot at, you know, in, mm-hmm. in while training. Now at that moment, did you think, uh, oh my goodness, this was not meant to be, or, or like, or you just went ahead, knew that you just had to push through because you just because of the fact that you know it you had to require surgery and that would have probably delayed your your opportunity to go to the Olympics. Yeah, it was. There were so many thoughts going through my head. It was about three months before the Olympic trials, and I um, pretty much shattered my right foot. I broke three bones um, in the middle, and one had kind of, because I was stuck at a meet, um, and actually the doctors there just told me it would hurt more and be more swollen if it was broken. So he didn't even take x-rays. He just sent me on my way with a pair of crutches. So I didn't actually get an x-ray until about a week later when I got home. And the doctor came into my room crying, saying she could have reset it when she saw it initially, but now it was too late because it had grown. One of the bones that had broken off actually had um, kind of lodged itself underneath my foot and grown what they called a bone bridge to the two bones that it rested up against and so it was kind of like standing on a rock a really sharp rock and so she said to do surgery we'd have to re-break everything pin everything like there's no way you would be um, able to go to olympic trials uh no way so the only option we really had was to cast it the way it was and just hope 
you know, that it was healed well enough to walk on, maybe jump off of. And uh, man, that, that first week, that mix of emotions, you know, I was, I was angry. I was depressed. I, you know, part of me kind of thought even like, well, at least it's kind of an excuse, you know, nobody will think twice about somebody with a broken foot. You know, it was, it was just a weird, weird mix of emotions. And I remember kind of the gravity of it just hit me in the middle of my living room. And I just dropped my crutches and fell to my knees and, and just started kind of yelling at God, you know, like, how can this be good for me? How is this part of the plan? You know, this is not what I came here for. And it was kind of in those moments that I realized this is the dream I've been given. And this is what I wanted. And kind of that same mentality on leaving school, like, I don't want to look back in five years and say, what if? If this is my one shot, I have to try. I don't care if I have to drag myself up there on one leg. I have to figure out a way to try. And my coach, uh, who he must be as crazy as I am because he was like, all right, let's go for it. But his, his only rule was we can't look back. We only look forward. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. Mm. We had to think outside the box and do some very different <laughs> training. But, um, I mean, it was great. And it, it made us closer as, as coach and athlete, too. And it just there was a lot of power in that, you know. Wow, that's that's really powerful there. Now, now of course, now you know many even didn't give you a chance to win a gold medal, especially the fact that you were you're competing against the top the powerhouse in China with two other divers mm -hmm. and and a, and of course, uh, but the, but of course you made the team and you were off to Sydney, and and of course uh, and of course. In the com in the in the competitions, you know, you you actually uh, was in, you know, I, I believe it was after the the three dives you were in place, and and let's just say it was almost like an impossible odds. But then, but then uh, your coach uh, Ken Armstrong said said to you that uh, something that was really important that helped you through that fourth round, and he said, "Do it for Hillary." Can you share with us uh, mm -hmm. that that a that a specific moment that uh, helped you? Uh, that changed everything for for your your uh, opportunity to win the gold. Yeah, that was um, we we do five rounds in the in the finals, five different dives, and that was the fourth round dive. I had just the round before in the third round, I had hit a really big dive. I had been way behind in like fifth place, way behind in the points, but I hit a really big third round dive, and all of the top four people that were ahead of me missed, which is so unusual that I would hit and four people in a row that were leading missed. It was just beyond normal. You know, it was just very weird. And the next round dive um, was, was actually the hardest, the dive I had struggled with the most since I broke my foot because it was the same action that I broke it on. And so it was mentally very scary for me because my feet had to come close to the platform and I was scared to hit it again, you know, and re-break it. And I was, and it hurt. It was just physically painful because you have to stand on the end of the platform on the balls of your feet. And that is what I broke. And so it very painful and very just messes with your mind all, all at one time. So I struggled with this a lot. And going up to do this dive, you know, I, I look to my coach hoping he'll calm me down. And all he says is do it for Hillary. And he walks away. And I mean, I must have, my jaw must have been hanging on the floor because Hillary was a really dear friend of mine, a teammate of mine that we had lost in a car accident three years before. And so for him, I'm like, what is he trying to make me do? Cry in the middle of the most important moment of my life? I couldn't figure it out, you know. And so I kind of slowly started walking to the platform. And, you know, I, I, I trust Kenny, and I know he pushes my buttons when he needs to. So I forced myself to think about her. And as I'm thinking about her, I, it led me to think about some 
some special dinners we had and, and stuff like that where we would dream together. And, and Hillary was a really incredible gymnast. She was actually one of the alternates on the 1992 Olympic gymnastics team. She had led the team in 91 to like a world championship medal. And um, she was just an incredible gymnast. And she started diving um, right about the same time I did. And so we would go and, and, you know, I would ask her, you know, like, do you think you'd try to go to the Olympics and diving too? Like, that'd be so awesome. And, you know, in my mind, she must have been a shoe in because she was already like this Olympic level athlete. And um, she, I remember her telling me, like, I would love it, but I just don't know if I could handle coming so close and not making it again. You know, but she did tell me, if anybody on our team is going to make it, I think you are. You know, and that just stuck with me because back then we were like nobody. We had just started. We were just dreaming. You know, we, we didn't know what we were doing. And But that's that's what I remembered as I was walking up the platform, that she believed in me, too. And it wasn't just my dream like we go we have our dreams we go pursue them and we try to make them happen but as i'm walking up this platform i'm realizing this isn't just my dream it was her dream too it was all all the kids on my team who kind of helped me through that really hard time of having my broken foot and trying to to get through the training and get back up there again like they they were so supportive it was it was all of their dream too and they meant not ever be at this level so i realized that it was just such a big deal and, and and it wasn't right. I feel like that could be a lot of pressure, you know, <laughs> like you're taking on everybody's dream, but it, it wasn't like that. It was kind of like the power behind you is greater than the task in front of you. And I just suddenly felt stronger and more powerful and more capable than I ever had because it wasn't just about me. It was bigger than me. It was more important than me. And so it, it made it not as scary to go after this dive and, oh, well, if I break my foot again, I break my foot again, but I'm going to give this everything I've got because it's not just about me anymore. And it was the best dive I had done since before I broke my foot. And it pretty much secured my lead and, and helped me win the gold medal in Sydney. Uh, and that's, that is really awesome. And that's, that shows the power of, you know, surrounding yourself with, with the people who believe in you. And that's, yes, that really helps. Uh, now, now, of course, uh, this, now the the fifth and final, I think it was the final dive when you uh, when you nailed the the routine, you you gave a fist pump and you just knew that you <laughs> kind of had it afterwards. Uh, you know, you know what was that? What was that like? You know, knowing that you know you had it, even though there was you know there was other divers that had to try to break your score. Oh, I, I did not know that I had it. it. That was, it was kind of not a joke, but like one of the guys on our team, my, my teammate, Mark Ruiz, always did these fist pumps after like these great dives. And so it was kind of a, a little thing for our team. It was just more of a fist pump of, yes, I did a good list. Like I'm proud, like I'm excited. It wasn't, I think I won, <laughs> you know, but um, so it was kind of a funny moment. So when I was done, there were still the top four girls to go after me that had been leading earlier in the rounds. And I had to wait for all of them because they, they could have passed me up. And from where I had to wait, I couldn't see the scoreboard, but I could only see my coach. And so after each girl went, my coach would turn around and, and just be like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm still on the podium, <laughs> you know. And after the last girl went, and what I would find out later is that she needed perfect tens to win, and she went way past vertical. And so as soon as she hit the water, my coach didn't even wait for the scores. He jumped up and ran over and hugged me and picked me up and twirled me around and just kept saying, we did it, we did it. And it, it didn't even compute at first. I kept thinking, okay, we got a medal, but like it didn't even compute that we had won because I had no idea what place we were in. So it was a really sweet moment that he got to tell me that way, and it was just Absolutely awesome. <laughs> and in, and I saw the and of course the video on YouTube which people can see uh whenever they type in your name of that moment. 
that's almost a, that's that is almost like a Mary Lou Retton moment as well, like when she <laughs> won her gold medal in nineteen eighty four. And you created your own. Okay, you just made well. my whole night telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. It yeah, but but it, it kind of felt like that. You know, looking looking at that video again and seeing that, it's like you know, it it kind of shows like how, you know, how how uh, close you guys were, you know, as a you know coach and and uh, athlete, you know, when you're when you were you know doing doing a dive for your coach and giving everything you can to help your team win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely so important to have a good relationship um, with your coach. It's just, if you don't have that, I mean, I mean it's it, it's almost like a marriage in a way. You know, you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to work together. You've you got to kind of, because you're going to go through so many ups and downs, you know, in, in sports, just like you would in a marriage or, or anything else. So it, it was really a, an awesome moment because he had been through the whole experience of, of leaving school and breaking my foot. He was there for all of that with me. So it was a very big deal, um, you know, to, to get to do that with him there on the deck, coaching me the whole time. It was super special. All right. Now, now of course, uh, you, you made it, you made the next two Olympics in 2004 and 2008. Uh, and then, then of course you won your, you know, your world championship in 2004 and 2005. Now, now, mm-hmm. of course, you're a motivational speaker and going around the country mm-hmm. speaking to people in, to help them, to help inspire them to chase their dreams. So how mm-hmm. important is that for you to, you know, to do that? Oh, I love it um, because I guess that was just always something for me is, is I loved motivational stuff. You know, I I loved great quotes or and great scripture. I love great stories because you just, you learn from other people. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm, I, I like to interview athletes and things is, because I just think, you know, there's a lot of people who will say if you do A and B, you know, if A plus B equals C, but that's just not true because it's not the right formula. Just because you work hard and you do the right things does not mean you're going to get your goal. Like all these other things can happen in between. And so hearing other people's stories and what they did that was great, what they had to do that was outside the box, what they had to do that was different, um, you know, and unique and, and, and special to their situation, you can learn from that. And then what you face next, like you may be able to kind of remember their story and use their tools, you know what I mean, to kind of overcome that. So I think the more stories you hear, the more people you learn from, the the better you're going to be and the farther along on your journey you're going to get towards your goals. All right. And we're going to dive into that right now because you host your own uh, show called Elite Access. Now, uh, can mm-hmm. you share with us more about about that because you've done many interviews with uh with top names like uh like Natalie Collin and then Chad Hendrick. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you share mm-hmm. with us about that? Yeah, I love it. I just started doing it. It's still fairly new, um and but I I love it cuz I've got athletes booked out now and so I'm, I'm really excited to keep it going. But I just it was kind of part of what we just talked about. Like I just love hearing other people's stories and I think it's the best tool that people can have is is knowing what other people have done that have been successful because it's different for everyone. You'll you'll find a lot of things that overlap, but a lot of things don't. And everybody goes through different experiences, whether it's injuries or family issues or having to switch teams or facility problems or, you know, whatever it is, they, they go through things. Like no athlete has this perfect road to, to the top. You know, everybody has challenges and faces struggles. And so I think it's really important to learn how they deal with those because that is going to help you, whether you're an athlete or a business person, whatever you're doing, those tools will help you because sports is just such a great analogy for life. You know, it's just a very black and white way to kind of see how you can apply those things in your own life. 
Um, you know, like I love to talk about the first time I ever jumped off the 10 meter and how scary it was, um, you know, because you, you've got to kind of take this leap of faith. You can't dip your toe in from the 10 meter to see if the water feels nice. Like you have to jump off with both feet. And that's exactly how it is in life when you're going after something and you're chasing a dream. There comes a point where you have to commit yourself and jump in with both feet, even if you're scared. And so that's, that's why I think um, interviewing athletes is so important for everyone, not just athletes, because you can make that connection in your life and, and you can understand how that can help you become better and, and overcome things. All right. Now, now uh, since you host your own show, I give, I give uh, the opportunity for anyone who are podcasters, in, uh, television journalists, uh, radio show hosts, or or all of the above to ask me a question on my show. So I'm going to allow you to ask me a question. Well, I do have a good question because I've only done like interviews and then put them on YouTube. I need to know about podcasting. So <laughs> what do you like about <laughs> podcasting and why is that such a great format? Okay. Uh, well, I'll say podcasting is really it's it has a smaller barrier than than on uh, YouTube because of the fact that YouTube has like oh like about a billion downloads every every hour, and blogging oh, wow. has like about four hundred fifty million. I think about four hundred fifty million blogs and worldwide podcast has about uh, three hundred thousand. That's like a smaller barrier. And plus, what's and plus what's different. happening now? Yep, and then what's happening now is the you know with uh Spotify, I think it was uh Spotify and uh, and Pandora now is now uh, getting into the podcasting realm now, it's it's starting to take uh -huh. off. So it's it's really it's really uh it's really fun too because of the fact and and to add on to that now, you know the um it was Apple last year who they released uh Apple CarPlay which. Which allows you to sync your iPhone to to the dashboard, and it's supposed to be in about fifty percent of the cars this year. So, oh, wow. so the so the imagine the audience you know that you can possibly reach you know you know commuters mm. who's going to work or going anywhere. That's really that's really uh the that's a big advantage there, and and I can say right now, you know, if anyone you know if you're interested in podcasting, you know. You, you could check out the podcast movement that's coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. Actually, from July mm -hmm. July 31st to August 2nd, that's where you're going to learn a lot from the top names in podcasting. And it's it's definitely a conference that 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 is a not not miss opportunity. Awesome! Well, you've sold me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. I mean, it's it's really it's really cool because. You know, I I really didn't think about it beforehand. Like when I, you know, I started two years ago, and I didn't, I didn't really, I really didn't uh, think much about it before. I just, I just wanted to do it, and you know, actually looking at all the stats and all that, and I just decided, you know, jump into it, and I just, I just mm -hmm. realized that this is a really great uh, platform. That's cool. Well, I'm I'm very interested in it, so I may jump on your bandwagon here soon. <laughs> Awesome. Well, now, now of course, uh, you know, with uh, social media, now it's uh, changing every, the way how we interact. Uh, how important is it for anyone to be on social media? Well, I think it's it's really important, um, but there's also balance. You know, I think it's an important way to connect with people. You know, whether it's friends or customers or clients. You know, um, however you you do it, um, I think it is very important to stay connected because that is how a lot of people communicate these days. 
But at the same time, I think there needs to be balance because so many of us just do social media or just text. We don't have a lot of, um, you know, in-person engagement anymore. And so I think that's something we have to be careful on uh, balancing because we can't, we can't lose that. That's, that's what life is. That's what relationships really are being in person. And so I think we, we do have to balance both of those. All right. Now, uh, which, now which one is uh, your favorite to use on social media? Um, I like Facebook. I think Facebook's awesome just because you can, you can do so much with it, you know, and just connect to old friends, but then also you can post videos or pictures or you can have dialogues and people can all comment on it. I, I think it's, it's a fun one. I do also love Instagram, though, because I just love the pictures, so many awesome pictures that people post. That's just a fun, fun, simple way to do it. But I feel like I get actually get my information, like I learn a lot more on Twitter, like from all the articles people post. So that's, I kind of use them all for different things, I feel like. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. And, and to talk about, cause I definitely agree with you with, with Twitter. Now, just to let you know, uh, they, you know, the, I don't know if you might know about this, but the, but two great uh, people that Actually, two great friends of mine on Twitter are Rachel Lou Miller and Brian Fancher. They host Espresso Hour. Like for this entire month, they're doing a, a series on their uh, Twitter chat on Instagram, and and it's really oh, cool. it's really uh, amazing, you know. So, like for like I'm still learning learning about that as well. So it's it's mm-hmm. really it's really cool though. Oh yeah, but I feel like I'm always learning. There's as soon as you figure it out, they add more, they change things, or a whole new one pops up. So I feel like there's always something to learn. Uh, now, now I got uh, how important is it for anyone, uh, business person, athlete, to have a mentor? Oh, super important. Um, that you know, if you don't have a mentor and you think you've got it all figured out, that's when you make your biggest mistake uh, because until you've been there and you've learned from others and, and you've seen how to do it and you've had somebody guide you, you don't have all the answers. You know, you're still learning. And so I think people, you, you need to have enough humility to ask people for help or to ask people for advice or to ask someone to kind of guide you through the process. Um, and people love that. So you shouldn't be embarrassed to ask somebody um, to kind of guide you through it because people love that. It's flattering. They want to help. Um, people love to help just by nature. And, um, you know, if you are kind of a seasoned veteran, I think it's important to reach out to the newbies you see coming up because it makes a huge amount of difference for people because there is a learning curve and they don't know what they're doing. And, and you can just see that, you know, by, by knowing from where you are, from your vantage point. So I think it's important to reach out and, and lift them up because a rising tide lifts all ships. So the more you can bring up people, just your game gets better, too. All right. Now I gotta I gotta go back to uh, the Olympics in Sydney. Can you share with with us uh, a special uh, moment in Australia? Because I know that in, it's one of my dreams to be in Australia. Can you share with us, uh, you know, what it was like being there? Oh, I love Australia. I've gotten to go like six or seven times. I just I love that country. I love the people. They're so laid back, and you know they have really cool accents, and they're all so friendly. Um, but one of the coolest things I got to do after the Sydney games was walk, do the Sydney Harbor bridge climb. Like, you know, that huge kind of iconic bridge they have, um, that goes across the the Harbor there. We, I actually got to go up with some, some friends, um, and climb that climb to the top at night. It was really spectacular. So if anybody's ever down in Sydney, I highly, highly recommend that. It's a very cool thing. You'll never regret it. All right. Now, uh, three more questions before I let you go. Uh, if you had the opportunity to spend one day with someone you admire, past or present, to learn from, and and of course I know that you've spent a lot of time with uh, you know big names, but 
if he had that one, who would that person be? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of Jesus, so I think to uh, be able to sit at his feet and learn from him would be, uh, yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, where can people find out more about uh, your work? Um, if you just go to my website, www.laurawilkinson.com, um, everything's on there. My blog, my interviews, it's kind of all in one place there. And you can shoot me a message through the contact page if you need to. All right. Well, Laura Wilkinson, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on this show. I really appreciate it a lot. And do you have any final words for our audience? Um, I guess I just want to say, you know, it's okay to be a little scared to to pursue big goals, but they're worth it. Like it's worth taking that leap. It's worth taking that jump, jumping in with both feet and going after it. Even if you don't achieve your goals, you will get so much farther than you ever would have if you didn't try. I made three Olympic teams. I only won one medal, but I don't regret any of it for a second because it made me a better athlete and a better person through the whole experience. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Laura. Wilson for that inspirational message. Thank you know, really, really enjoyed the interview and wishing you more success in the future and hope hoping to for you to cross into podcasting very, very soon. <laughs> well you'll have to guide me through that. I appreciate it, Cheval. Thanks for the interview. All right, thanks, Laura. Well everyone, I hope you enjoyed that interview with our Laura Wilkinson, uh the two the two thousand Olympic gold medalist. And as she shared about her journey to to uh, her success as a as Olympian and also her work at at, uh, at the Laura Wilkinson Foundation and also also with her motivational speaking gigs. So please check out her website at www.laurawilkinson.com and guarantee you're going to enjoy every minute of it. So check it out. Well, that is it for tonight's show. If you missed this episode live, it will be archived on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and also here on Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Volano Media. That's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Volano Media. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Well, uh, that is it for tonight's show. I want to thank my guest, Laura Wilkinson, for joining me on What's the Word, the show that's about finding out what motivates people to succeed in their respective careers. Be real and be independent. And I leave you now with uh, Michelle Anderson alone. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you guys next Monday night. Oh, my voice and